1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. In a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets first prize. So run your race to win. How should you run your race? To win. Verse 25, to win the contest, you must deny yourselves many things that would keep you from doing your best. So I run, now he begins to describe his method. I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. I do not let my eyes drift off the finish line. I fight to win. I am not just shadow boxing or playing around. Like an athlete, I punish my body, treating it roughly, training it to do what it should, not what it wants. Otherwise, I fear that after enlisting others for the race, I myself might be disqualified, declared unfit, and ordered to stand aside. And so there are different places where Paul refers to this Christian life as a race to be run. It is a contest. There is warfare going on. We can sit back and let life happen, or we can enter the fray with the Word of God, the name of Jesus, and rather than life taking us down the direction it wants us to go, we begin to put boundaries on our lives with the Word of God and begin living the way that God had always intended us for a live, to live, which is victorious, incidentally. God intends us to be victorious in life. Did you know that? Victorious. Else why would he say, you're the head and not the tail? You're above and not beneath. One thing to finish strong is to run your race to win. Understand that victory can be yours and it can be mine. And so run your race to win. We're talking about a spiritual race here. Run your race to win. Come on, people. Run your race to win. Don't give in. Don't sit on the curb and cry and whine. Run your race to win. Yes, there will be setbacks. Yes, you will encounter obstacles. Yes, there will be moments when you're wondering, is it worth it to continue this thing? And the answer is yes. So be determined in your heart and in your mind, I'm going for it. My former, uh, former pastor that I had would make this statement. He still makes this statement, I believe. Uh, I cannot be defeated and I will not quit. I, so we need to have an attitude just like that. The second thing that we can glean from this set of scriptures is in verse 25, he said, to win, you must deny yourselves many things that would keep you from doing your best. You must deny yourselves. And in verse 27, he said, I discipline my body and I keep it under control. And discipline involves two things, denial and training. Denial and training. What's denial look like? Denial is saying no. Saying no to things. So he says, deny yourselves things that would keep you from doing your best and train your body to do what it should, not what it wants. What things should be denied? Well, first and foremost in our lives, we should deny sin to have opportunity in our lives. We should not give sin place in our lives. We should not entertain sin. We should not give in to sin. We should not allow sin to rule and reign. Temptation will rear its head every day in your life. If it doesn't, then you don't have a pulse. Every moment you're alive, sin will show up. It begins with enticement, the siren call. If we're not careful and we follow that voice, we follow that call, we'll end up shipwrecked. We'll end up in trouble. And we have to be wiser than our enemy. We have to understand that he's calling us, not because there's some great benefit to following. He's seeking to destroy our lives. If you've ever fished, there's a hook, and on that hook you put bait. And that bait 
It acts as a lure to attract fish that hopefully will bite on the bait, unaware that there's a hook inside until it's too late. The devil, in like manner, puts out things before us that seem attractive, that appear to be the answer to our problem. But we're unaware, if we're not wise, then we are just as unaware and ignorant as the fish. There's a hook inside. The intent is to take us captive. That's the devil's plan with you and with me. Sin has no place. Sin has no place. Sin has no place in the life of a child of God. The Bible says we should be dead to sin, that no longer does it hold sway over us. One definition of sin is filling a legitimate need through illegitimate means. Filling a legitimate need through illegitimate means. In working with young people for so many years, I've heard so many excuses about why they engage in particular behavior. But I'm persuaded that adults have those same excuses and some other creative ones that they've come up with as a result of being a little bit more mature in life. I did it because I was lonely. Now, you can define it however you want. I did it. I engaged in this sin because I was lonely. I did it because I was bored. I did it because I was hungry. I did it because I was mad. And the list goes on and on. All of these needs, loneliness, hunger, frustration in life, boredom, feeling like you're being left out, God has an answer. God has a solution to every one of these issues. God has an answer for every need in your life, and it does not involve sin. He has legitimate means to satisfy legitimate needs. The Bible says that God tempts nobody. So if you think, well, you know, I'm just in this situation, and I feel like God's drawn me over here. To If it's sin, it's not God drawing you anywhere. Don't let the devil draw you into warped thinking, get you off base by thinking that wrong is right because it's never right. We can see that society wants us to believe that wrong is right. Society's pushing hard in a variety of areas to try to get you and me to just say, oh, well, I, there's just more of them, so let's just cave in. Is it difficult to stand for what's right when you're in your prayer closet? No. When you're own, in your own home, probably not. When you venture out on the job, sometimes it's extremely difficult. But it does not mean it's impossible. When you have time, read the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And how is it there was so much evil in that city, except that Lot was still a righteous man? At every turn and every person he encountered, there was evil upon evil and sinfulness upon sinfulness. So although it may be difficult to live righteous in an ungodly world, it is not impossible. What else should be denied besides obvious sin? Well, things that are weighing you down should be denied. Things that are hindering your progress. You should ask yourself this question. Is this thing, is this behavior, is this activity helping me run my race? Because this whole thing is predicated on this race that we're running. Is this helping me run my race? And if your answer to that question is no, then you should consider denying that thing or, or removing that thing from your life. Now, some of these things I'm going to mention are obvious sin, and others are not so much, and you've got to figure out where this is, but, but do these things help me run my race? Does my schedule 
help me run my race? The pace at which I'm living life, does it help me run my race? Now, let me, let me take a sidebar here and say that I, I'm aware. I am not unaware. I live in the same world you do. I am not unaware that prices are increasing and they're increasing rapidly. I am not unaware that some now are taking two jobs and some three jobs in order to have enough income in the home to pay the bills, to buy the food. I'm aware of that. So sometimes we have to make some decisions that will fill our schedule a little bit more than we intended. But when you have opportunity or the privilege of not having to do a million things every week, then you need to ask yourself, does this schedule of mine help me run my race? Does my diet help me run? And you interpret diet however you want. Eating too little, eating too much. Does spending time on social media platforms help me run? And probably in there, we probably should include the the time you're spending. Is it helping you run your race? Does lying help me run? Does hypocrisy help me run? Does sowing discord help me run? Does smoking help me run? Does gossip help me run? Does cheating help me run? Does abusing drugs or alcohol help me run? Most people have an easier time answering that question than is this sin or not. But the Bible's pretty darn clear about what is sin and what is not. We're talking about finishing strong, running our race, finishing strong. We need some some discipline in our lives. We want to finish. We want to run to win. We need some discipline. And one of the elements of discipline is denial. Deny our flesh the opportunity to have certain things. And I want to remind you again that God has a solution for every need in your life. God has a solution for every need in your life. Before we continue, I'm going to show you a video clip. This is, this is a video clip from the original uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory back in the 1970s with Gene Wilder. And there was a girl, Veruca Salt. She was self-centered, self-absorbed. Her entire life just centered around her and what she wanted. Daddy, I want it now. And that is what our flesh is like. It wants what it wants, and it wants it now. When your body is hungry and starts telling you it's hungry, you say, just hold on. You don't get to eat for another two hours. It doesn't typically, okay, and sits down quietly and stops bothering you. Unless you've trained it to sit there and be quiet. It keeps talking and talking and talking. So do a variety of other temptations. A variety of other things begin to talk to us, and they they taunt us, and they harass us. I want it now. This was Veruca's mantra, I want it now, but it was also her downfall. It was also her demise. Now, we can watch this and find it humorous because it is a comedy, but at the same time, this is how the flesh responds. If you want to read your Bible and you haven't trained yourself, your body is going to act out. It's going to tell you it needs something, it needs it now. I need to sleep now. We need to go out in the sun now. We need to eat now. I need to drink now. I need to call my friend now. I need to go on social media now. I need to check my email now. I need to check my text now. I need to check TikTok. I need to check. And so it begins to talk and talk and talk. But Paul said that we should train our bodies. In fact, he said, I keep my body under, as in I exercise control over my body. And so God is calling you and me to exercise control. Self-control is the ability to control oneself. That's amazing, I know. The ability to control one's self. It involves moderation, constraint, and an ability to say no to our baser desires and fleshly lusts. 
back in the 1980s, 1990s, a slogan that came out of the war on drugs that lasted for a few years, which was just say no. Just say no. And then there were red ribbon weeks. The just say no slogan kind of went by the wayside after a few years. The intent of just say no, love it. Just say no. But the words themselves had no power. The slogan was meaningful in that it had a a desirable outcome. It had no power behind it to, to help people to actually overcome challenges when they face them. Everyone who is devoid of God's spirit still has to deal with the weakness of human nature. Your human nature is weak. By itself, willpower alone is not enough to overcome the downward pull of sin in our lives. Now, I'm sure that if I polled the audience, someone here could say, you know, I gave up smoking and I didn't have to do anything except I just kicked the habit. That may be true, but I'm sure there's another habit you haven't been able to kick by yourself. And we can all recognize that that we've had habits in our lives that when Jesus came along, we were set free from that desire once and for all. He wants to set us free from these desires. It's not our own willpower. It's the power of God operating on the inside of us and through us. Listen, if willpower were enough, then Paul would never have said uh, in Romans chapter 7, I know that nothing good dwells within me. That is in my human nature. Listen to this. I can will to do what is right, but I cannot perform it. I have the intention and urge to do what is right, but no power to carry it out. This is Paul talking. He's talking to the church in Rome in that particular letter. I recognize there's nothing good in this body of mine, this flesh of mine. I want to do what's right, and I discover there's no power within me to actually execute the plan. And that's extremely discouraging because this is Paul, the great apostle that we've heard about time and again. He wrote over two-thirds of the New Testament. This guy is saying, what? He has no power? Then what chance do I have of overcoming the temptation, the downward spiral, the pull in my life to be sinful? Remember, we're talking about finishing strong here. Don't lose sight of the discussion. He went on to say in verse 24, I've tried everything and nothing helps. How much helps? Nothing. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? This is from the message translation. Is there no one who can do anything for me? I'm in a predicament. Fortunately, Paul did not just just, uh, throw his pin down and call it a day. He kept writing. And do not stop when he says, there's no hope for me. I can't do it. Because if you do, you're going to believe that's the way it is. Keep reading. He did not stop writing his letter He went on to say, the answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. Does what? Do anything for me? Can anybody do anything for me? Jesus Christ can and he does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. Don't stop reading in chapter 7 either. You need to keep going in chapter 8 of Romans. Continue turning the pages and keep reading. In Romans chapter 8, Paul says, With the arrival of Jesus, that fateful dilemma is resolved. Those living in Christ no longer have to live under a continuous, low-lying black cloud. A new power is in operation. 
the spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. A new power is in operation. It is the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of the believer. Inside you and inside me is a storehouse of power. In this room, there are outlets. There are some outlets on the stage. There are some outlets in the walls. And in every outlet, there resides power. But to access that power, we have to plug in. Nearly all of us, if not all of us, have cell phones. And those cell phones' batteries go dead through usage. Most of us have charging devices in our vehicles. We have them in our homes. And we make sure we charge our devices regularly. If I set my phone on the counter in my home but never plug it in, it's going to run out of power eventually. And I can get as mad as I want a dumb phone. I cannot believe this. I put it here a week ago and now it's dead. This is ridiculous. And sometimes in the Christian walk, we have people who come in, this is ridiculous. My whole life is unraveling. Did you, have you plugged in recently? Have you plugged into the power source? There is a storehouse of power that resides on the inside of you and me. It is the power of the Spirit of God. And if we connect with that power, then we're much, much more able to run our race, and we're much more able to run our race to win. We will achieve victory after victory after victory when we operate under the power, might, and anointing of the Spirit of God. When we try to do things in our own power and strength and ability, you might overcome certain obstacles, but you will not overcome them all. And some things that you overcome, you probably never overcame them anyway because certain things in your life you had no desire for anyway. You know, I don't drink. And I actually don't drink, and I, and I never have. And it's not like a great feat, like I'm this wonderful Christian man. I've never had a desire in me to drink. If somebody offered me alcohol right now, I'd be like, there's no interest for me. Zero. So it's not like it's a temptation for me. So I can strut all day like the peacock, you know, hey, I don't, I don't drink. <laughs> well, there are other things that are more of a challenge for me, more of a temptation for me. So I have to tap into the power of God to make sure that I have what I need to resist, to deny, to reject, to walk away from those things that are calling my name. Believers have no further obligation to live in obedience to their human nature. You and I have no obligation to live in obedience to our human nature as much as it wants something. And as much as it wants something on that computer that's connected to the internet. As much as it wants something on your phone that's also connected to the internet. As much as it wants more of what's in the refrigerator but you already ate. As much as it wants to spend 12 hours in bed instead of what's normal for most human beings. As much as it just wants to lay around and do nothing for the rest of its life, we are under no obligation to give our flesh what it wants. Just because it cries to you doesn't mean you have to cave in. In the same way you would tell your, your child no, you need to tell your flesh no. No, you can't have this when you break down at the register and want the candy. But I decided, no, I can't let my body have its way in anything. A little bit is going to lead to more, so no, you cannot have any. <laughs> You're mean. And so in Romans chapter 8, again, Paul says what? There's a new power in operation. It's the power of the Spirit of God on the inside of you and the inside of me. Read through Romans 8 when you get a chance. 
Read through Romans 8. He talks about living in the flesh versus life in the spirit. If you write in your Bibles, highlight and underline things. What I did in my Bible, rather than highlighting all the stuff that the flesh can do, I highlighted all the stuff about the spirit. When you live in the spirit, this. When you live in the spirit, this. When you live in the spirit, this. And this and this. Because that's telling me what's possible. This is possible when I live in the spirit. That's God telling me. You can be victorious in your race when you come and yield your members to the leading of the, of the Spirit of God. Three more things, and, then, and I'm going to do this really fast. Uh, in verse 26, he talks about, I run, I run straight to the goal with purpose. Come on, run your race with purpose. Run to win. Run with discipline. That's where I took the most time. Run with purpose. Be intentional in your actions. Be intentional. Get up and make it your intent to do a particular thing or to say a particular thing or to act in a particular way. Be intentional. Our, our race should not be a random series of events that we hope transports us to the finish line. It should be a very particular set of steps that we take because we're training ourselves and we're being purposeful in our actions. He says in verse number 26b, I do not let my eyes drift off, drift off the finish line. Be focused. Have you ever been driving in your vehicle? You looked away for a moment for whatever reason, and when you look back up, you drifted. And perhaps you drifted significantly where it actually scared you. Whoa! Put yourself in a dangerous situation. How? By just taking your eyes off the road for a moment. He said, I don't take my eyes off the finish line. I keep focused. I know where I'm going. I'm running with purpose, and I'm running to the destination, and it's not over there or there or behind me or to the left. It's straight in front of me, and that's where I'm focusing my attention. Verse 27, he said, I train my body to do what it should, not what it wants. Otherwise, I fear that after enlisting others for the race, I myself might be disqualified, declared unfit, and ordered to stand aside. So after telling everybody else, here's how you do it, he said, I don't want to violate the rules myself. Play by the rules. Play by the rules in this race you're running. Do not look for shortcuts. Do not try to look up cheat codes. Don't try to get on the juice. Stick with the word of God. Stick with the plan of God. Stick with the purpose of God. Come on, be in God's will. Be anointed by his spirit on the inside of you. Run your race to win. To do what? To win. Repeat these things after me. I will run to win. By leading a disciplined life, I will run with purpose. I will keep my eyes on the prize. I will tap into the tremendous power available through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. I will bring glory and honor to God in all I say and all I do.